excuses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And happy 4th of July. Well, hey, we're going to ruin your day today. I did not say I was ruining your day, but I'll let Amanda do that. So, I mean, I guess when this one comes out, it's the 3rd of July. So you're probably listening on the 4th. So obviously nobody spends time with family. Gross. Who spends time with family? Um, Except for Amanda, who takes like a two week vacation to see family. Oh, no, that wasn't for me to see them. That was for them to see her. You still did it. Well, I didn't have a choice because she won't let anyone hold her if I'm not there. No, you could have just sent her off and hope for the best. That's not. <laughs> so, like more than once. Except for my <laughs> aunt. She adores my aunt. Oh, well, I mean, at least it's one person. Yeah. Here, take her. Like, I'm done. Take her. Yeah. I didn't even have to ask. She's always just like, do you want to get a shower? Are you trying to make me cry? Of course I want to shower. Yeah, I want to shower. Yes, I always want to shower. Sometimes I just want to put her outside and shower. I told you, just ask me and put her in front of the camera. I'll entertain her (laughs) for a few minutes. I don't guarantee it'll be a long time, but. Oh, I've got them seven minute showers down pat. There you go. All right. All right. Well, how are you? Any? You said you had good news about Uh, a new toy. <clears throat> I have good news about a new toy uh, because we got a new toy. That's why I was late because we got a ninja foodie today. Oh, I've yeah, heard of it. I just don't know what it does. It's uh, everything. It <laughs> grills. It uh, it grills. It bakes. It air fries. It roasts. Um, it's perfect because <laughs> our oven went out and we have to call the warranty people. Oh, time. Well, it doesn't. It didn't go out. To be fair, but it only works on broil, so I can toast bread, and that's about it. I mean, I've lived without an oven before. It's doable. You just do a lot of stovetop dinners. Yeah, that's difficult when someone's always yeah. trying to put their foot in them. Oh, and it's really great too because I forgot that I had to make dinner because I'm an adult. Sometimes I forget. Uh. And I made din- a whole ass dinner in like 20 minutes. Damn. Yeah. Wait, wait what was dinner? Um, dinner was deer backstrap uh, grilled in my new foodie. So grilled venison and mashed potatoes and broccoli. Oh, yummy. It was delicious. I especially like that. Well, yeah, that, that I did it in 20 minutes. Right. That's how I felt. He's like, this is really good. I was like, guess me how long it didn't take. You're like, you're welcome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, That's how I felt when I got my uh, pressure cooker. Yeah. I love the Instant Pot. Yes. We figured out how to make Philly cheesesteaks in them. Oh, shit. The only thing is that when you make the Philly cheesesteaks in the Instant Pot, it's like very you've got like the juices at the bottom and that tends to stay more in everything so your bread gets a little soggy oh yeah so you gotta yeah, strain it a little extra a good philly cheesesteak your bread's gonna be a, a little that, soggy that's true Otherwise, it's just dry that's true i'm not gonna argue <laughs> but yeah that's exciting anything else how's everything else going for you peachy i can't think of anything bad so that must not be there right I think so. Yeah. 
I mean, my therapist told me that's not the way to deal with stuff, but it works for me and I don't talk to her anymore. So don't tell me what to do. She can't tell you how to live your life. Okay. Exactly. All right. Well, um, Cody and I, because I, I think I told you last week we went to that rodeo. Mm-hmm. Um, well, with that, they have a carnival in town this weekend that we went to yesterday and we just walked around the little shops yesterday. We got the dogs new bandanas. Of course. I mean, why wouldn't I? Um, but yeah, it was it was good. They had a lot of shops. They had a really cute one. I should have gotten a picture and I didn't. Um it's like um oh gosh, what's the word? Oh, it's not in punk. It's kind of like it reminded me of like a Renaissance-esque little shop area, but it had like uh like the premise was like magic so it had like an alchemy area and wands and brooms and you could build your own like little poison bottle it was pretty cool dude i would have spent all of my money there uh we didn't get anything there mostly because i'm like where the hell are we gonna put it in our house (laughs) anywhere during the month of october so where the hell are we gonna put it in our house in the meantime okay that's fair yeah so it was really cute but we uh we did not stay there for very long uh or we did not buy anything there and we didn't stay in that little shop area for very long but yeah it was good and then we went and looked at all the the sketchy roller coasters they have set up over there because you know like the carnivals like that that have the roller coasters that get brought in the ones that you fold up and put under the bed after the carnival's over yes those ones okay yeah no Um, uh kind of sketchy yeah so there were those that was fun we didn't get on any of them, but we did walk by. They didn't have a lot out, so we were kind of surprised. But and then my other other news is just more uh, something that we're we're looking forward to. Yeah. Our cruise starts in 183 days. Did you make a paper train? I did not. The website has um has a countdown on it. Ah, uh, okay. But I will probably make a paper chain. When we get a little closer, probably when I'm like 50 days away or something. Because then it's easier to make. (laughs) (laughs) There's less chain. (laughs) Yes, there's less paper chain to create to tear apart daily. So that's where we're at. But but while she's doing whatever she's doing, do you want me to tell you a story? Is it your story? Or a different story? Uh, Like, is it your story for the week? Yes. Okay, before we do that, though, I want to acknowledge, hold on, I was going to be prepared and I still wasn't. We were late to recording and I still didn't pull up the stuff I needed to. Yeah, it was my, it was my fault. I mean, it was my fault too, as I text you at the same time going, hey, I might be late too, because I I found the article I saved about this subject and forgot to read it. But I did just want to uh, call out some more of our listeners i don't know who we did last week by the way so i'm just going random um, I know we did alabama I, we've done alabama the pod father gets shouted out literally every week so i don't mm-hmm. he he doesn't get anything <laughs> we do have listeners in arizona they're growing over there so for those of you in arizona hey um we've already talked about arkansas And then we also have quite a few in Virginia, which I know we've already talked about because of uh, Ashburn and Tappahannock. I think those are both in Virginia. Did I say Georgia the first time? I might have. I don't know. I just was throwing out places. 
Look, I just trusted you on it, so. You probably shouldn't have. Yeah. But between Georgia and Virginia, we've got a pretty good listener base as well. So we just want to say, hey, guys, thanks for listening. We really, we do really appreciate you guys listening. Yeah, so for real. It's we, nice. It makes me feel like someone's listening. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it and we said how we're doing this for me and Amanda anyways, because we make ourselves laugh. But All we, the time. <laughs> with our dumb jokes, we do make ourselves laugh. So we just wanted to acknowledge we see you guys out there. We really, really appreciate you guys listening. Um, Again, we don't know who you people are, so thank you. Thank you. We don't understand it, but thank you. So, okay, that's all. So now I want to hear a story. <clears throat> okay. I was going to do like a really masculine one, but I decided against it because I didn't oh. want to scare her. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to not want to scare me, so I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, no, I don't care about you. Oh, okay. Um, no. <laughs> so. I just remembered uh, there's a word I'm going to have to Google to figure out how to say later. Um, that's going to be fun. Okay. So I decided to switch it up this week and do a bank heist. Oh. Yeah. This is specifically the 1977 Krugersdorp bank robbery. And I also chose this story because I just love that name. Krugersdorp. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Probably not. But it's okay. fine, and I it's like fine. it. fine. We yeah. like it how you say it. It's that I'm glad because that's how I'm probably going to continue to say it. Okay. So May second, nineteen seventy seven. It's a Monday morning in Krugersdorp's Krugersdorp, South Africa, and the workers of Standard Bank come into work, presumably after a nice weekend. Standard Bank is a South African bank and financial service provider. And it's the biggest lender in Africa by assets. So pretty big deal. Okay. I also, for some reason, found to where it is one of the worst banks in South Africa for customer service. So maybe work on that. Um, okay. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Don't, if you want great customer service, just don't go there. Yeah, don't. But if you want money, probably go there. Yes, yes. You st- look, it's you, you win some, you lose some, okay? You get what you get, you know? You get what you get, and then you don't say, it was closed the previous weekend, because uh, it was Easter weekend. So Wait, hold on, hold on. That saying that you said is totally not what I grew up with. What did you grow up with? You get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. Oh, I grew <laughs> up with, you get what you get, and you don't say shit. Yeah, no, ours was, you don't throw a fit. Did my parents cuss at us too much? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it just really threw me off because I was like, wait, did she not finish that statement? And then it clicked and then I was like, well, that is not the saying. It is to me and my children. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And sometimes my husband. If you don't want to cuss at Annie, you have an alternative way of saying it now. I'll probably just say you don't say nothing. Throw in a good double negative. Okay, that works too. That's how you know I mean business. Double negatives. Yeah. It's the real uh, real deal right there. Okay, so back to this bank. Um, it had been closed the previous weekend because it was Easter weekend. And that's why I say I imagine it was a nice weekend. Maybe some family time. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just kind of meandering back in for the day. Oh, God. Uh, here we go. 
So I think it's pronounced Carl. It is C H A R L. Carl. Carl. Charl. Like, is it Charl or am I just being. I would say Charl, but I mean, I'm very American. Yeah. So I should have looked it up, but I didn't. So I'm going to call him Charl because that's, I mean, that's fun. So. Oh, God, Charles, I'm so sorry, because his last name is Hatting? H-A-T-T-I-N-G-H. God, I don't know. He, <laughs> he was the assistant accountant, and with him was Brian Smith. See? Easy. Straight to the point. Hey, why does Brian get the easy name? Like, couldn't they have shared? Like, one has a hard name? For hard first name, the other have the hard last name. See, the problem is they didn't consult me when they were named. Because I would not have let this happen. Damn them. Yeah. It's like, poor Charl over here. Charl? What happens <laughs> if, like, the C is silent? And it's just horrible. Okay. <laughs> uh, Charl with the si silent C. Oh, wow. Silent C. Charl with the silent C. Okay. okay. So he was the assistant accountant, old Charles Harrell Hatting, and the chief teller, Brian Smith, they go to open the vault and get their day ready. Um, <clears throat> they open it, and it is in complete disarray. There are, our newspapers claim that the filing cabinets had been gutted. There was paper, debris, jewelry all over the floor. And jewelry all over the floor. Yes, this was a. I mean, honestly, that's a party. I might not mind going. <laughs> that's when you just kind of start scooping it up, putting it in your pocket. Mm -hmm. It's already been stolen. No one's gonna notice. I'm just kidding. Don't no, like it's. It's not a crime to just have stolen jewelry. It is. I mean, it is, but just don't get caught. Or just, I mean, if you don't know that it's stolen, it's still a crime. But true. All I'm saying is plead the fifth. That exactly. Yes. Just don't get caught. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so there's papers, jewelry, debris, strewn all around the floor. Uh, they pretty quickly found out that somebody stole over $247,000 in American Express traveler's checks. And these are in multiple different currencies, uh, including the German and Dutch marks, Swiss francs, British. <clears throat> excuse me, British sterlings and both U.S. and Rhodesian dollars. Damn. They also made out, made off with 157 rand in cash. And rand, I didn't know that, was the, or is the currency in South Africa. Okay. I didn't know that either, but. I, I learned it. Uh, it was a total. Today. It was a total of about 400,000 rand. And you know I love a conversion. I know you do. So in 2022, that would be 16,033,578 Rand. Okay, what does Rand equate to in US dollars? I'm so glad that you asked such a thing. In I'm US so glad. dollars, today it would be $1,010,887. Yeah. That's a lot of Rand. That's a lot of Rand. I'm not going to call it money anymore. It's That's a lot of rand. 
Newspapers <laughs> later claim what? Later claimed that it was actually worth way more than that because the thieves also cleaned out about 60 of the safety deposit box in the vault. And Ron or I'm sorry, Roy Terry, he is the or was at the time the Standard Bank public relations officer. That makes him a Standard Bank pro. And I just <laughs> I love it. He's that's what they kept bank. referring. Yeah, that's what they kept referring to him as in the newspaper. Standard Bank Pro. Well, who are we to argue with the newspapers? A, a peon. A exactly. mere sheep. He claimed that the bank didn't know what was necessarily in the boxes because they don't require people to tell the bank what they were keeping, which that seems like a bad idea. What if there's a gun in there? But he said that it's common for people to keep jewels, wills, share certificates, coins, uh, stuff like that. That's what usually is in there. So that's what they're assuming was stolen. Valuables, yeah. They originally thought it was an inside job until they found the tiniest freaking hole in the corner of the vault. And I think I put a picture up. Let me see. Okay, yeah, it's the last picture. It shows the bank manager next to that little hole. Okay, so you said it was the last one? Yeah. The fourth photo is the top right picture. That's a pretty good size hole. It is, but like, can you imagine squeezing through there? That'd be awful. It looks like it's just enough to like squeeze your shoulders through. Like these men, I imagine they fasted for days to get through this hole. Because you said it's the last picture, right? Yeah. The fourth picture is uh, the bank manager of the time. Uh, crouching down next to it. That was the side that was in the vault. They called police officers, firemen, and sewage experts from the city to the scene of the crime. And, yes. Why sewage experts? Because they wanted to see, they were trying to figure out where this thing came from before they just crawled right on through the wall. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, like, okay, that makes sense, instead of just going in blind. So they were thinking that the hole came or led to the sewers or something. And after some time, the sewerage, 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 superintendent. What a title, first of all. Wow. Yeah, the superintendent of sewage. It's an honor. (laughs) He sees this little shop down the street, and all the windows are covered with newspaper. And this guy was basically like, Huh, that's weird. Let's bust down the back door. So they do. And they immediately find tons of red dirt bagged up in the shop. They find a trap door cut into the floor and open it up. This is also on that last photo to find a three meter, which is nine feet, 10 inch shaft leading down to a perfectly shored tunnel that was 27 meters or 78 feet. Eight inches long and 48 centimeters or 18 inches of reinforced concrete directly in between two file cabinets. Damn. Yeah, I know that was, God, that was a mouthful. But basically, they built a big ass shaft into a long ass tunnel and then there's a big ass, a long ass hole. Yeah. And they kept (laughs) going through reinforced concrete into this vault. And somehow 
they opened up right in between two filing cabinets. They don't know if this was an inside job or if this was just pure dumb luck. But it's impressive. Probably dumb luck because it sounds more fun that way. They see, that's what I'm hoping. But they tend to think that it's a little more planned out because to shore up a hole is basically it's supported. So when you think of a mine shaft and you have the wooden beams along the sides and along the top, they did that in this tunnel. Not only the wooden beams, but they also had corrugated iron in it too. So they built a legit tunnel. Yeah, that thing was not collapsing on them anytime soon. <laughs> Absolutely not, which thank God that that would still be terrifying. In the second picture, there's a photo of the actual tunnel. It's the one that is titled The Tunnel. So I appreciate them doing that for me. My question is that I can't decide if that looks relatively big or not. It was about, uh, let me see. I had it somewhere. I think it was about a foot and a half in diameter. Okay. Yeah, it was 48 centimeters or a foot and a half in diameter. So okay, so it's not, it's just the way the picture looks. Yeah, the picture makes it look like it's like you can walk through it. But mm-hmm. you can only crouch down to get through there. Like hands and knees crawl. Yeah, your army crawl. It might, can you imagine the amount of strength, the core strength they have to, to not get only, through that? Yes. Well, I mean, if you're digging for this long, I bet you shed some... They're probably in good shape. That's why it's so small. They didn't need it bigger. Yeah. Either that or they're like, I'm just going to, I don't know. These people are out of their mind. Uh, Firemen and city workers were floored. Get it? I get it. I get it. Okay, thanks. To find that the tunnel went all the way down the street underneath three shops, the alley, and even the sewer pipe in the alley and directly into the bank vault. The bank vault. And right outside the vault, the tunnel came to what they called a chamber that could fit two men in it. So I'm just imagining like ants digging through here. This is. I'm just imagining how much work this would be. Because not only do you have to start on one end and start digging out, you have to still remove all the dirt, shore it all up, get it all nice and steady. But you're not just army crawling, you're army crawling back and forth how many times? God only knows. At least one time, you're dragging dirt and materials with you. Like, they are ripped. Yeah, they have to be. If they're not, I'm disappointed. Honestly, we should do this. We should open this up, and that's what we call it on Facebook, Dig a Tunnel. And that's how we just get our beach bods back. Oh, God. Can you dig it? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds awful. It sounds so bad. (laughs) The police called in mining experts to examine the tunnel, and they estimated it would have taken a month. Damn. It would have taken two people working eight hours a night a month to dig that tunnel. I believe it. I bet they were underpaid. Well, I don't know. They might have gotten away with quite a bit. (laughs) I think they got a pretty good payout. Uh, They better have. They also noted that two men couldn't work in the tunnel at the same time because it wasn't big enough. So they theorized that one man crouched in the tunnel and passed off dirt 
in that plastic bin. It's like a plastic bucket. And then a second man emptied the bin into those bigger sandbags that they had seen when they first walked in the building. The sandbags held 200 kilograms or 440 pounds. So they also think that it could have been a third man digging. And they think that that third man's job was just to help get the sand out of the shaft and take it to the different part of the shop. These experts also called this tunnel, and I quote, a perfect job in every regard. The media, they, people ate this with a spoon. They were obsessed. There were all these pictures. People, people like flooded this area, I guess, just, I don't know what you're going to do. I guess see the bank or see the shops, but they flooded this area. Uh, the media itself, they started referring to the criminals as rats and they would call them tunnel or sewer rats instead of calling them thieves, which I thought was, I appreciate that. Yeah. There were all sorts of pictures coming out in the newspapers, pictures of the trap door, the tunnel. There would be men standing in the shaft, which was that other picture you were talking about. It was a fireman, I believe, that was standing in it. Uh, there was a man holding a board and like posing with it that the people had used to shore up the walls. There was firemen posing next to dirt or in the dirt. And my favorite one was the bank manager just kind of crouching next to the hole in the wall. Mm -hmm. About 18 days after the heist, the media was claiming the robbers got away with an estimated over one million. And this is back then, not in today times. One million rand between the cash, the traveler's checks, and all of the personal valuables. Damn. <laughs> My favorite part was this newspaper <laughs> article I found where they interviewed this bar. And the bar is on the end corner of the shop, right across the alley from the bank. And this guy says, uh, it was called Wimpy's Bar, I'm sorry. They interviewed Mr. Lee Myers, the owner of Wimpy Bar, and they said it's a business bonanza for the fast few excuse me. It's a business bonanza for the fast food shops of Human Street branch of Standard Bank. He said it may be bad luck for the bank, but as far as I'm concerned, it's the best thing that could have happened to business. Because he's breaking bank. He was so busy. Another article I found interesting, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you about it, and I want you to tell me your thoughts. One woman, Diane Fox, she said that she feared for her and her son's life. She told the newspaper she owns the radio shop next door to the rented shop, and she claimed that the Thursday night before the bank was robbed, her son Ian was standing outside the papered-up windows to the shop at about 8.30 p.m. when a man came out of the shop and went to a Volkswagen Combi and grabbed a handful of tools and went back inside. And the boy told his mom that he took a good look at him. She said in March, a man claiming to be Mr. Nightingale, who we'll get into, visited to get a key from her. And she described him as a tall, dark man who spoke very good with a very good English South African accent. She said he was well-dressed and extremely polite. And she said, other than that, she never saw the tenants, but she claimed that they had the Zulu word. I'm going to have to Google this. 
I am sorry. I said Google, and I didn't. I even put it in red. See, that's what I do with things, and I still don't do it. <laughs> it's, I think it's Umfunani. I don't know. Okay, I'm just going to go with what I said and apologize profusely. <clears throat> it was Amanda oh. that said it this time. <laughs> It is. This is what we're doing. We choose uh, cases in different parts of the world, and then we just butcher the fucking names. Yeah. It's just... Honestly, y'all need... Uh, Google needs to get on their shit about this. Damn and you, Google. Little, yeah, like, be a little more inclusive. But it's... Uh, I think it's Umfunani. I don't know. It's U-M-F-U-N-A-N-I. And this was painted on the windows. And according to the newspaper, it meant, what do you want or what are you looking for? Um, okay. I'm looking for the money. <laughs> we want the money back. I'm just like, I'm, I'm shocked. I was shocked reading this, that this lady began telling this reporter, like, how worried she was for her and her son's life. And then this reporter in this newspaper turned around and printed all of her information, like her whole ass background. You got this woman's first and last name, the shop she owns, her son's name. Newspaper was like, you're worried? We're going to just help you out there. Yeah. We'll show you there's nothing to worry about. Luckily, nothing from what I found ever happened to Miss Fox and Little Fox. Now, the police found out that there was a man named Peter Harold Nightingale. He got an easy name, too. That's, honestly, that's a pretty cool name. Well, to those of us who don't hate birds, I guess. I mean, I was fine with it. I didn't care. <laughs> I can hate it if you want me to. Is that what you want to happen? Do you want me to be terrified of his name? Just be terrified of him. Okay. He was an industrial photographer, and he rented the shop back in January for 200 rand a month, supposedly to turn into a travel agency. Okay. They go to this address that he gave them as a home address, 6th Street Linden in Randburg. And Mrs. J.E. Bratton opened the door, and she was less than pleased. Yeah. Their money is Rand, right? Yeah. And it was in Randburg? <laughs> this house was, yeah. I love it already. Okay, go on. <laughs> so Miss J.E. Bratton opened the door and she was less than pleased to inform police that she and her family had moved in 18 months ago and they had only just recovered from a barrage of telephone calls, some of them abusive, because people confused her with muscle man Janny Betke. Who had the number before they did? Oh, good Lord. She's like, we just got rid of this. And now you're coming knocking on our door looking for a criminal. Now you're bringing this Mr. Nightingale crap to me. She is sitting there thinking like, we have to move. Like, I can't. I'm going to lose my mind here. This house is cursed. She told reporters, this is highly embarrassing and most strange. If it had to be, or I'm sorry, it had to be our art address he chose. We are law-abiding citizens and no Mr. Nightingale has ever lived here to my knowledge. 
She did say that they got like a really official looking letter in the mail uh, about a week before, and it was addressed to a Mr. P.H. Nightingale. And she said that, I don't know what they were going to do with it, but she said her husband had put it in his coat pocket and forgotten about it. So she said that he would turn it over to police. Maybe they were going to take it back to like the post office and be like, this is not ours. That's what I assumed, because that's what I have to do every damn time someone else's mail comes here. But I don't know. Maybe they were just going to take it. She said, all I hope is that Mr. Nightingale, whoever he is, doesn't come knocking on our door himself. I don't like the idea of being associated with a bank robbery. And I like this lady. Too late. You already are. Yeah. I like her. She's no nonsense. Don't come knocking on my door. Mr. Nightingale was said to be about 30 years old, athletic build with Afro style, dark curly hair and brown eyes with long, thick eyebrows. He was said to be good looking and nicely dressed. He had fine lips and features with smooth, earthy skin. What does that mean? Smooth, (laughs) earthy skin? Are they talking about like his skin color? I have or absolutely no idea. I just don't understand what earthy skin is. Like, was he dirty? Like, he might have been finely dressed, but did he have, like, dirt smudges on his face? I don't understand. Was it red dirt? Was it purple dirt? Did did he have a six-pack? Was it a mud mask? Maybe that's all he was doing, and they accidentally broke into the bank. That's probably what it was. They were getting products for their business for the mud masks, and here we are. They just dug a little too far. And he went, oops, cool, look at all this money. Now we don't have to worry about the mud masks. Leave it. Let's go home. Oh, God. Thank God we cracked the case. (laughs) What would people do without (laughs) us around? (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. He also had a high forehead and a dimple on his chin. Oh, okay. Sorry, I stopped because of the (laughs) earthy skin. I don't. I just want to know, is that like referring to his skin tone? Is that referring to, because you said it was smooth, so it can't be the texture. Oh, I didn't even think of that because I was, I automatically assumed texture. I don't even know why. I don't know what an earthy texture is. I I don't know. I don't know. These newspapers, man, like I had so much fun. Just That's not even the last description. So, Oh God, I'm so excited. Police started gathering witness statements and they find out that a van was seen, the Colby that we talked about, parked out front when men were working in the shop. And they were described by multiple witnesses as two white men with blue overalls. They always worked and were seen at night. But from what I read, this wasn't exactly weird because this was like a pretty quiet neighborhood. And at 6 p.m., people were pretty much like closed up, gone home. So they just assumed that these people were working at night so they didn't bother anybody. Mm -hmm. There was one woman who owned a hair salon that was said to be next to it. I guess it was on the opposite side of the radio store. And she said that. One night at about six o'clock, she heard music blaring from inside and she said one and she said it was like loud. She didn't hear any drills or anything, but she did hear the music really loud, which, hey, let them live their life. They're busy. They are getting their mud mask materials. Yeah, they have to have the music loud. They're already two doors down in the tunnel. Rude. Hear it. Otherwise, she's considerate. 
So she also said she went back at 11.30 p.m. one night to get her books. I guess her, what, like profits and loss books? Mm-hmm. Something booky, I don't know. Which, at 11.30, it's weird. Go home. But she heard really loud music that night. And she said, like, there were lights on in the store. But she never heard anybody. Or, I'm sorry, she never heard any drilling. And she never saw anybody. Maybe Other they just people, forgot to turn the radio off. I mean, it's a possibility. Maybe they're just hard of hearing. Don't judge them. Other people describe the sewer rats as uh, one of them was short and stockily built with a podgy and well-defined flat nose, like a boxer's nose. He was fair-haired with a receding hairline and the front hairs almost standing up with pig-like eyes and a pale complexion. He sounds like a cartoon character. What did this man do to offend you? Hey, he was pig-like <laughs> eyes? Yes. That's the picture. I think I uploaded that one too. Let me find it. I feel so bad for that poor guy. He just the description makes him sound so cartoonish. Like, what, were they drawing a caricature of him? I'm confused. Okay, yeah, the picture with the picture of the tunnel in it. You see Mr. Nightingale, the tunnel, and then uh, blonde Mr. X. That's the photo of that guy, the identical. Oh the poor man. Right? <laughs> he's, he's probably just passing by, had nothing to do with it. God he's love like, him. Thanks for calling my eyes pig-like. That one just sent me like that. It's so insulting. <laughs> you know what? Even if he was involved, you know he read that and said, excuse me, pig-like? <laughs> Ma'am or sir, how dare you? That's not even the worst part. Oh my there God. two of them seen and the other man was described as blonde hair, blue eyed with fine features. And one woman claimed to describe him as a piece of all right. What the hell is that? <laughs> I don't know. I guess he's, he's attractive. A, he's a piece of all right. <laughs> hey, you tall, dark piece of all right. Like, what? And he was said yeah, to have been seen is that driving like a good the van. Thing? Is that a good thing to be a piece of all right? Because maybe it's like, eh, he's just all right. They made it sound like. Like, all right. So police asked the public to be on the lookout for a panel van painted in an unusual eggshell blue with ITC hand-drawn on the side. And I googled a panel Volkswagen, a panel van, Volkswagen, Combi. It's like an old-school hippie bus. Like the, um, the mystery machine. Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The bank heist mystery machine. The bank heist machine. Wait, the mystery machine. Maybe not the mystery machine. Scooby Doo. I think I immediately I was like yes, but I don't think so. Okay, not like the mystery machine. Okay. Well, what was it again? Uh, a Volkswagen Combi. K O M B I or Combi. K O M B I. Yeah, it's like a old school hippie van, like the surfing oh. hippie. 
Yeah, like surf style, hippie. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I think in the cartoons, that's the type of van it is. See, that's, I don't know. I can't, I can't remember. I don't know if it's, a, um, what's the thing? Like Fruit Loops? Mandela effect. Oh, the Mandela effect? Yeah. Yeah, so when or I look up the, the cartoon image, it looks more mm-hmm. like that, but it's not quite the Volkswagen. Oh, okay. So all I'm hearing is we're both right. In some way. It doesn't matter. It's the Perfect. heist. It's the heist machine. Yes, the heist machine. They also asked if anybody had any information on people that they knew to have purchased 60 meters of unplaned pine wood, and it was 99 pieces cut into 58 and a half centimeter sections. Six meters of corrugated iron cut into 60 centimeter sections. And 25 plastic and hessian... Oh my God. Plastic and Hessian sugar bags to keep the sand in. And I had to Google that. Hessian is just a fabric and it's made out of hemp or jute. She said like a sack. So I'm imagining like, uh, because Google's a she apparently. It said like a sack. I'm just imagining like a potato sack. Mm -hmm. And that is everything they use to shore and to keep the sand in. With measurements like this, this specific, you would think somebody heard you know like had an idea but nobody right. came forward yes i started thinking about the van and i think it's like the jack kevorkian uh van who is that like um, dr kevorkian dr death yeah i didn't even know he had a van yeah there's a it's at of course guess where it is just guess where it is it's a haunted item guess where it is off the top of my head at Baggins' house? Uh, it's not at his house, but it sure is at his museum, yes. Oh, yeah, it is. It's a Kevorkian van. Oh, yeah. I really like the way that feels on my mouth. Kevorkian van. Kevorkian van. It just flows. It does. Anyways, sorry, that's what my brain went to as I was trying to remember what the hell his name was. No, I appreciate that because I never knew he, I knew who he was, but I didn't know who the van was. Um, yeah, no one comes forward. Uh, they start thinking that maybe it's gang related since the money could have been dirty money. And since it was acquired illegally, nobody wanted to come forth and claim it. I guess maybe they just broke into the safety deposit boxes because they're there and already in trouble. Might as well. Yeah. They coincidentally came through between the two filing cabinets perfectly. So. Mm-hmm. They also started to realize if there could be a, or theorize if there could be a third rat. Um, But they do name Mr. Nightingale as a suspect, specifically the mastermind behind the whole thing, along with a man named Owen Walter Holmes. Now, Owen Walter Holmes, they get Owen Holmes's name because it was attached to a P.O. box in Greenside, Johannesburg. And this name was also attached to a name that was given when a man paid 50 Rand deposit for electricity. So they have his address on file as a renter and he paid the deposit for the electricity. Okay. Uh, Mr. Holmes, the police later identified as Herman Broll. And he was a German miner who arrived in South Africa in 1972. 
interesting. A minor. He seemed, yeah, like he seemed to like know his stuff. Do I just mean like with all of that, sir? You've been connected. Mm -hmm. He. It was rumored that he was arrested. Uh, or I worded that wrong. I'm sorry. I don't know why I wrote that like that. He was arrested a couple years before. I believe it was 1968. So what is that? I'm trying to do math in my head. About nine years before the actual heist. And he was arrested because he was taking pictures of the bank from the outside. Like the same bank that was heisted? mm -hmm. Yep. Sir. He was seen taking pictures outside. A shopkeeper reported him because she said it caught his attention or it caught her attention. Because he was taking pictures of the bank, and these two girls thought they were taking thought he was taking pictures of them, so they started posing for him. Which is just if someone's taking your picture, don't pose. That's creepy. Don't let people take your picture. Yeah, that's really like if I were out on the street and someone started taking my picture, there would be a lot of um middle fingers all up in those pictures. Exactly. Yeah. So don't um I mean I don't recommend doing it, but whatever gets your goat. They eventually just kind of let him go. After this, because they couldn't prove him of doing anything illegal. Mm. But this lead kind of, oh, I don't want to put it like that. Uh, it didn't pan out because he was said to have just disappeared after the robbery. And even though the police received multiple tips and sightings, they could never catch him. Well, eventually, West Germany, West German police told them Brol had died in the country. And South Africa claimed no reason to disbelieve them. So. Okay. Yeah. So like he never actually went to South Africa and someone assumed his identity? No. Or like he he went back? He did. But for whatever reason, he went back because they didn't give any details about the whole thing, which to me is kind of sketchy. But for some reason, South Africa was like, all right, that checks out. So that lead just kind of fizzled out there was another man whose name was given to police by a shopkeepers as somebody who could possibly be connected because he bought a lot of hardware similar to that that was used by the rats but the police put him in okay and here in the u.s we call it a lineup but in south africa and i think in other places they called it an identification parade and i love that so much more i love it Right? It sounds exciting. Like, if someone were like, can you be in an identification parade for me? I'd be like, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely be there. Do I get a hat? Do, like, are there, like, the little clapper things or the poppers? Oh, my God. If there's a popper, you can count me. I will be in every identification parade you need. (laughs) Yeah, I know you're looking for men of a certain age. I'll be there, though. I'll wear a wig and some shoulder pads. Just tell me where to be. I'll be there. Uh, They put him in an identification parade and none of the witnesses recognized him. So they let him go. Okay. The bank. Now they did release the numbers, the amounts and the currencies of the traveler's checks that were stolen in the hopes that they would try to be used and they could like rush police over to him and catch this guy or girl. Mm -hmm. Um, Currency officials, they had speculated that that whole thing was in vain due to how planned out the tunnel was. They were kind of like, if they went this far, 
they're probably long gone and we're never going to find them. Mm-hmm. Um, but one check was flagged and it was reported by a steward on a plane uh, flying to London. The person attempting to cash this check, he was a South African doctor who had bought the check legally the day before in Point Elizabeth. The bank made a mistake and sent out the wrong number. Well, damn that bank. To this You're not day, supposed to freaking mess that up. Yeah, they they did. They kind of fumbled it. Uh, to this day, there are no informants. They never found any travelers' checks. They never, you know, saw like gang activity or specific people just come into a bunch of money all of a sudden. They have absolutely no idea who did this. Well, they done got away with it. They struck gold. Yeah. That's the story of the highly successful 1977 Krugerstorp bank robbery. Damn. That was, that was a ride. Holy, wow. So wait, yeah. like, how much money did they get away with again? They estimated it to be about a million dollars worth, but they got away with 400,000 in cash and traveler's checks. Or 400, yeah, 400,000 rand. Dang. Dang, that's a lot. Yeah, most people thought, like, that happened, and they just skipped the fuck out of town. I would have, too. I've been like, yeah. he's out. I mean, we don't even know when they did it, because the bank was closed. They could have done it Friday night and then just left Saturday. And they could have left Friday. Yeah. Just got They're on like, a plane and red-eyed it. Yeah. Okay. So we're looking for, what was it again? Um, An all right. Was that it? Yes. Yeah. All right, all type right. of man. A piece of all right. Yeah. And um, a pig-eyed man. <laughs> I just feel so bad for him. I feel pig-eyed. so bad. He had such a cartoonish and outlandish description, and the other one, a piece of all right. Like it's almost like one, like the guy that gave those um, that did the identikits. It's almost like that person knew him and was like, you're okay. You're okay. You suck. This is what he looks like. (laughs) Probably. They're like, I hate you, but. He looks like a podgy bald pig. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This poor man. He's just there. Think about all these men that match that description. And they're like, you think I have pig eyes? (laughs) These poor men. Having their egos just drop down a couple inches every single time. Oh my god, that was wonderful. That was my all-time favorite. I'm just going to start using that. I'm just going to work it into everyday conversation. I'm going to come home and tell James, this pig-eyed cashier done messed (laughs) up. And then a piece of all right. (laughs) Had to come in and fix it all. (laughs) Oh, that that was a fun one. Oh my gosh. Well, I enjoyed that one. I enjoyed it. I also think I have something that you'll enjoy today because it's a request. Oh, oh, but I requested a couple things. Well, it's my paranormal request that you requested. I only requested one thing. Yeah. I'm really excited. So are you ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So this, like I said, this is at Amanda's request. We are going to be talking about puck wedgies. Puck wedgies? Puck wedgies already okay (laughs) go back to sleep so something i kind of giggled about during this research is 
So we remember the leprechaun episode a few episodes ago, right? Where I was like, dad, why are you creeped out by leprechauns? I still, I, it's mind boggling to me. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, dad, if you are not creeped out by puck wedgies, I'm a little concerned for you. Cause these are much creepier than leprechauns will ever be. Okay. hundred. Yeah. hundred percent agree. A hundred thousand percent. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love them. Okay. Anyways. So, Pukwudgies are a folklore that are native to the Wampanoag folklore, um, Native American folklore, that type of stuff. Um, mostly based in uh, New England, Massachusetts area. Uh, I already lost my spot. I'm only four bullets in and I already lost my spot. Okay, sorry. So, again, it's mostly around Massachusetts, New England area. Uh, the Pukwudgies are often found in the Bridgewater Triangle, which is not something we have covered yet, which I noticed it wasn't on the spreadsheet, and I quickly laid claim to it. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so excited. Okay. So we'll talk about the Bridgewater, Bridgewater Triangle another time, but they are often found in this area. They are considered one of the oldest, if not the oldest, mythical creature in North America. The word Pukwudgie was translated by Henry Schoolcraft. And Henry, Henry Schoolcraft, he's uh, an American geographer, geologist, ethnologist, and he's known for his early studies of Native American culture. But he... He was busy. He was busy. Ah, oops. Um, he, he lived a great life. I actually don't know. Um, it was a very long time ago. I didn't look more <laughs> into him. So, Henry, you are great. We are quoting you today. But he actually translates the word... Pukwudgie to basically mean little wild man of the woods that vanishes. Okay. If we decide to have another child, I'm going to call it our Pukwudgie. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> well, <clears throat> according to the legend, uh, Pukwudgie is a human-like creature. They stand about two to three feet tall. They most commonly look like a porcupine from the back. And from the front, they look half troll, half human. Which, by the way, there's a picture in the drive. You can look at it whenever you want. Oh, I've been done. Pulled him okay. up. We're just, okay. we're just chilling. Um, so a lot of their features are human-esque, but they might be um, exaggerated or enlarged. So they have large noses. And some people say they have like a wolf-like nose. They've got large fingers and large ears. Their, discrin- their skin, wow. Their skin is described to be smooth and gray. And some say that their skin might even glow. That is possibly a newer adaptation, but people believe their skin glows. Um, so they do walk upright as a human would. So they're not like from the back. It's like, I imagine like Sonic the Hedgehog from the back. Okay. But like more porcupine-esque than hedgehog-esque, you know? Okay. Yeah. The so that's second how picture I... really shows like that description of it second picture by the way everyone i am not going to be posting on instagram because i don't want us getting sued over that one um because that is that comes up later very end um but it has something to do with harry potter so ah that's why anyways so they are also considered to be very dangerous and most people say it's best to just leave them alone uh, yeah. Pukwudgie can create fire at will. They can appear and disappear at will. Uh, they are shapeshifters, so they can change their appearance. And oftentimes they do shapeshift into a dangerous creature of sorts, uh, like a cougar, bear, whatever is dangerous. They shapeshift into it. Uh, they do use poisoned arrows. They're known to lure people to their deaths. They will kidnap people, 
push them off of cliffs, attack them with short knives and spears, and use sand to blind their victims. Uh, they are believed to be able to control... Oh, God, I didn't Google this word. Tepai Wankas? Uh, and that is the souls of Native Americans that they have killed. They will rock shit. Yes. Yes, they are... Like, please just don't fuck with them. So, <laughs> so now the Wampanoag lore believes that Pukwudgies were once friendly with humans. Like, there was no tension there. That friendliness later changes to hostility, and it started with the Pukwudgies' jealousy of the giant Maushop. Have you ever heard of the giant Maushop? Maushop? Maushop. Maushop. I think it's Maushop. Never. I don't think so. Well, good, because this is where my love of uh, lore gets to be brought in. Okay. And I did some digging on this piece of lore and this folklore. So, Maushop is a giant and a hero from the Wampanoag folklore. Legend says he came from Cape Cod or created Cape Cod, and he was there long before the Wampanoag people. He was said to be so large that his diet consisted of mostly whales. Mashop was for sure a character. He had several companions, most notably a giant frog and his wife, uh, Granny Squanet. Uh, I, now love her. I love her too. So Granny Squanet is said to be either a small woodland or sea creature. She's believed to be one of the Makai Wasuk. I don't know how to say that word. I'm sorry. Basically, it means little people or a good spirit. Um, and she is a very powerful sorcerer. Healers often came to Granny Squanet for her wisdom and her guidance. And she is so powerful that it is said that the arguments between her and Mashop would cause storms. Now, I want you to remember that I said she's um, small. either a small woodland or sea creature and she's married to a giant. Some people say that was uh, as a form of like balance or some of the legends say that was a form of balance. Uh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. So Moshop is believed to have been the creator of a, basically of geographic locations. Um, he was referred to multiple times as the creation giant. He They used the example of he would sit on top of a hill. Um, and in that area where that hill was, there's still evidence of a crater where he would sit above the cliffs. He one time when he was trying to catch a whale, he threw large boulders into the water uh, to create stepping stones. And that would leave rocks between the Cuddy, Cuddy Hink, Cuddy Hink and the mainland that's called the Devil's Bridge today. Um, to cook the whales, he would rip out the nearby trees from the ground, tear them out to create a fire. And now there are not many trees that grow in that area. He emptied his pipe ashes into the ocean and that created Nantucket. <laughs> a crab once uh, pinched or bit his toe, causing him to stomp around and he left large footprints in the ground. This was originally named uh, Moshop's Rock, where the imprint of his feet were found. It was later renamed to the Devil's Footprint by Christian missionaries as a campaign to demonize tribal traditions. Okay, well, first so, of all, rude. Mm -hmm. But secondly, I really enjoyed all of that. That was, like, yeah. super interesting. There's also another one that Moshop possibly had um, a little bit of a temper, and he got so mad he was throwing boulders and rocks around, and that caused mountains to be created that's really so. interesting mm -hmm. i like that's cool overall he was idolized by the wampanoag people um he did teach them to hunt and to fish he was their hero and their provider he was such a hero that the people idolized him so much that the pukwudgies grew very jealous of the wampanoag's people's affections towards him 
So Pukwudgies, they would go on and try to help the Wampanoag people. Unfortunately, their efforts were lost as most of the time they would try to help, things would backfire on the Pukwudgies and just not go well. So eventually their efforts morph into just kind of tricksters and being pranksters and they torment the Wampanoag people with pranks and mischief. From what I could find at this point, that's all it was. There wasn't really much danger. It was just more of a nuisance. Now, eventually, the Wampanoag people are fed up with the Pukwudgies, and they turn to Granny Squanet for help. And Granny, Granny Squanet goes to Moshop and persuades him to help the people. Not very hard. He loved the people as well. So what Moshop decides to do, he's like, I'll just exile the Pukwudgies. No, no biggie. Now, it's how he does it. <laughs> So Moshop the giant, remember, he's a giant. These Pukwudgies are two to three feet tall. He just scoops all the Pukwudgies up into his hands. And he just shakes them around in his hands like a good old game of Yahtzee. Um, He was trying to disorient and confuse them. And then he just tosses these Pukwudgies all across New England. So they're just scattered everywhere. My goodness. It said that some of the Pukwudgies died during their land. But many survived, and when they kind of regained their their balance, their um, their wits, they start heading back to the Cape Cod area where they were from. But now they're pissed because they've pieced together what happened. They already know. They're like, "Excuse me, you cannot exile us." So they're heading back to that area, and now Moshop he believes his job is done with the Pukwudgies, and him. Not him. So he leaves and he's not in the area right now. He's off creating mountains or something. And while he's away, the Pukwet Wedgies return and they're no longer just being annoying. They're back and very dangerous. They begin kidnapping children, they burn villages, and they force Wampanoag people into the woods and kill them. My goodness. So Granny Squanet sees this and again she tells Moshop to step in. She's like, hello, things are happening. And it said that Moshop is known to be lazy, so he actually sends his five sons to deal with the Pukwudgies at this point. And the Pukwudgies lure all five of his sons into some tall, deep grass, and they shoot all five of his sons with magic arrows, killing all five of the giant sons. You're going to get thrown even farther and shaken a little harder. Mm. Or the devastated and enraged Granny Squanet and Moshop attack and crush as many Pukwudgies as they could find. They done did it. They done did it, yeah. So the Pukwudgies, they the ones that escape, they end up scattered again, but they end up regrouping and they devise a plan. They return and they lure Moshop into the water and they shoot him with their arrows. Some legends state that the Pukwudgies killed Moshop that day. Other stories state that Moshop was so depressed um, with the loss of his sons that he he disappears. Um, one story tells that Moshup gave an ominous warning of a pale-faced man approaching um, and then slips into the sea and becomes a whale. Um, others say that the Wampanoag had become too reliant on him, so he left so they could learn how to survive on their own. Whichever version of the story you may believe, um, it is noted that after this incident where the Pukwudgies actually lure him towards the water, uh, Moshup is no longer referenced. So there is a correlation between the two. So ultimately, he he dis- disappears from the mythology at that point. So now a lot of tribes have different tellings of the folk- folklore. That's just one of the tellings that I found and we're reiterating here. Uh, but you can find different tellings. So there are also some variations that tell that the Pukwudgies are just mischievous. Like they're not actually 
causing any harm. And there are the others that refer to them as very dangerous. According to lore, um, a person who annoys or crosses a puck wedgie might just become a target. They might play tricks on the person, follow them, causing trouble for, for them. They may kidnap your children, uh, lure you to a cliff to push you off, um, attack you with their short knives and spears, or again, blind you with sand. Now, when settlers arrived in New England, they were warned of the puck wedgies. The settlers say, um, the settlers call them, they begin to refer to them as imps or little demons. And they actually give puck wedgies the nickname of Satan's little helpers. <laughs> uh, they were actually, the settlers were known to shoot at puck wedgies at every encounter. If they saw one, they would shoot. Uh, oh, the settlers were rednecks. They for sure were. They kind of were also dicks because not only would they shoot at puck wedgies, they would end up shooting the benevolent little people as well. Oh, what the hell, guys? Yes. So the settlers, they brought with them diseases, as we all know, and many of the mythical beings were said to be affected by this, and it caused them to retreat into the forest. And this could have also affected the puck wedgies' dislike for humans. Um, now, they're often confused with trolls. Um, it's said that Pukwudgies are much less dim-witted than trolls. No one has reported a Pukwudgie digging through the garbage cans or eating household pets. Like, they're smarter than that. Um, they're also mixed up with benevolent Nkomo. Um, and they're benevolent little people. They don't cause any death or destru destruction. They're actually said to bring good fortune and assistance to those who treat them respectfully. So they're those revered. The ones, sorry, those are the ones the settlers ended up killing? Probably, yeah. Okay. Um, so those ones are actually revered and a lot of people um, hold feast in their honors. The next creature that they're often confused with is the Bugwajanini. Bugwajanini. Uh, these creatures are actually very similar in appearance to the Pugwachi. Pugwachi. Hug, puck, wedgie. There we go. <laughs> um, like so similar that, in fact, some people say the only way to tell them apart is based off of their, um, like how they act. They are considered to be playful and very good natured. They might be a little mischievous and play tricks on people, but they're harmless. And because of their extreme, extremely similar descriptions of the bugwajanini um, and the puck wedgie, puck wedgie. It's believed that they are actually the same creature as the Pukwudgie, except these ones are the ones that either never recovered from Moshop's assault, and they were still, they had uh, injuries, things of that nature, didn't remember, or they just learned their lesson and had an attitude adjustment instead. So there's that. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> if you see a Pukwudgie, just leave it alone. Literally ignore it. Don't yes. do anything else. Yes. If you see a puck wedgie alone, it oh, said on. just really don't approach it because they are more of a pack mentality type of creature. And it's likely that it's luring you in for the others to attack. Absolutely not. Yeah. So there's that. Today, puck wedgies are said to be found in areas with other forms of paranormal activity. Some people say they possibly cause the paranormal activity and others say that they're just attracted to it. Now, those sightings are, there are more, a lot of sightings near Fall River, which is 
extremely close to the Lizzie Borden home. There are sightings near the haunted Moundsville State Penitentiary. Amanda, add that to the, the ideas list. Moundsville State Penitentiary. If I haven't already added it, is that's the real issue. <laughs> Where is that at? Uh, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. They've also been seen near... I totally typoed this. This says Rebound Rock, but I think it's supposed to say Red Round Rock? Red that something rock? right. Red Round so, Rock. In Texas, where Bigfoot allegedly lives, or the biggest colony of Bigfoot lives. Um, they are also found a ton in the Bridgewater Triangle, which I already called dibs on. So you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> now, another one woman tells of her experience when she was about five years old. And oh, by the way, we're getting into like their people's stories now. Oh, fuck. <clears throat> oh, heck yeah. So a woman tells of her experience when she was about five. She says she was awoken at the like just in the middle of the night. And at the end of her bed, she saw like a two or three foot tall creature. She said she knew it was only that tall because it didn't go above her bed, like the end of her bed. Oh, that's horrible. So did she just see like the top of a head? Like just Well, it would peek over her bed and how it was described, it made it sound like it would jump up and grab the blankets trying to like look at her. So even worse for a five-year-old. I just imagine it giggling in a horrible, disgusting way oh. the whole time too. Yes. Like a gremlin. She said in the shadow she could see, because, you know, she's five. She has a nightlight. Mm -hmm. In the shadow that it was casting, she could see um, spikes or quills in the shadow. She did not know at the time that they could possibly be quills. She called it, like, spiky hair or something. And she said it was so vivid and so realistic. She does not believe she dreamed it. Um, again, she was five when that happened. And as she got older, she ends up doing more research because this is just one of her memories that she just doesn't forget. And she ends up connecting the dots back to a buckwudgie. So that's why she believes was in her home. Oh my god! In her home. Did you still live there? Because don't. Well, that was when she was five, so I doubt it. Well, I mean, I don't know generational wealth and stuff. Maybe she inherited the house. I don't know, but don't live there anymore. No, probably not. Another person tells of their experience with a puck wedgie that broke into their home. Also, they say they were studying. Um, they were older because they said something about anatomy, and I went, I don't care what you were studying. Um, yeah. the, where were they? So they said they were studying and they have their dog with them and their dog was, they said was really well behaved, like didn't bark at things, knew better. And they hear their dog begin whining. And so they're like trying to comfort their dog to be like, what is wrong with you? And their dog suddenly jumps up. Teeth are, they're baring their teeth. Their scruff is up and they're just growling, looking at the bedroom door. Now, when the poster looks to the bedroom door, they see what they describe as a being that was about three feet tall, it had a pointed nose and ears, long bloodshot eyes, its hair was long and matted, it was dirty, its limbs appeared longer than they should have been. The poster of the story was so frightened that they um, used the five-year-old mentality of, if you can't see them, they can't see you, and just kind of covered their face, yep. Mm -hmm. So when they finally look again, the creature is gone. Them and their dog, they go downstairs and lock all the doors and windows. And when they got to the front door, it was wide open. Hold up. So you said that was a five-year-old mentality? Um, well, I think they referenced it as a five-year-old mentality. That's a me mentality. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I literally referenced that exact mentality earlier in this episode. I can't see it, so it's not there. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. So I just that. want them to know I am offended. 
I'm and I'm gonna do absolutely nothing to change my behavior. I'm but... not either. <laughs> I I think the idea is that like when you're scared, the five year old in you comes out. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that it's only a five year old would do it. Oh well, that's definitely not true because a thirty two year old does it. Well, I said not that only a five year old would do it. Would you listen to me for once? Jesus, it's really hard. I know, but this was your request. <laughs> So, so anyway, honestly, keep going. I know you haven't even said shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been listening. I know you love this. Sorry, Ad. So its hair was long and matted. It was super dirty. Limbs appeared longer than they should have. Uh, they were frightened. I already did that. They go downstairs. Door was wide open. Okay. So the poster ends up giving an update stating that they believe it was a puck wedgie after they did research. They just said that uh, the description seemed to match. And they also noted that puck wedgies start fires. Their house burnt down a month after the incident, and they stated they were actually hospitalized from this due to the scarring on their lungs. Oh, I feel you. That sucks. Yeah. Um, an- another woman, her and her boyfriend were headed home from a friend's house. This was in like 2015. Um, so they had like a GPS in the car, and they note that the party was a ways away from their home. And so they were actually trying to get back to their house. So the party was over. They were headed home. So they actually pulled over to put their address into their GPS. And the boyfriend tells his girlfriend to look behind them. And she says she saw a three foot tall looking troll. And she said it was walking towards their car, just walking down. And she had actually recently heard of Puckwudgies. And she's like, that's not a troll. That's a Puckwudgie. And they just kind of leave. They just, that's their story. Nothing too crazy. Good decision to just leave. Mm Mm-hmm. They never got out of their car, but this next couple... Oh, God. They were driving late at night, Susan and Carl. And they got a flat tire. Carl. There's no... It's a silent H this time. Okay, gotcha. Um, They were driving late at night. They get a flat tire. They were near the Ames Noel State Park, so like a wooded area. Carl gets out of the car because he's like, well, I got to change the tire. And Susan steps out and she's just... She says she feels uneasy. She feels like she's being watched. And so she's like, Carl, can you can you please hurry? And she's like, it was just really eerily quiet. I'm sure that's exactly what Carl wanted to hear in that moment. <laughs> I'm doing my best, woman. This lug nut will not come off. What do you mean you feel creepy? I'm over here with my back to the entire world changing the tires. <laughs> She says that it was just eerily quiet. She said she didn't hear birds. She didn't hear crickets. She didn't hear like the sounds of like what you would hear with a wooded area. None of that. And so Carl's working on getting the tire on and he's tightening lug nuts at this point. And Susan just looks down the road and she sees a small creature walking down the middle of the road towards them. Carl, get in the car. Carl, I don't give a shit. We're leaving everything here. Get in the car. Carl, I don't care how many lug nuts is on that tire. That's one too many. Let's go. Yes. She said uh, there was just enough light from the moon to see some of their features. She could tell it was about two feet tall. She said it had uh, gray or dark skin. It had large eyes, a nose, and a wide mouth. It was walking towards the couple as if it was just kind of taking a stroll. Maybe like it hadn't quite noticed them yet. But when it does, it said, suddenly stops and just is staring at Susan and Carl. Susan's like, Carl, Carl, Carl. And she gets his attention. And when he sees it, he's like, get in the car, woman. Like, get in the car. Oh, my God. Is she not in the car yet? 
apparently not. So she okay, gets she's in. A psychopath. Uh, yeah. So she gets in. Maybe she was frozen with fear, where she's like, "Am I hallucinating this?" And so she's well, like, I'm "Carl, please corroborate this." Yeah. So Carl, who's trying to finish getting the tire on, he's like, okay, the tire's on. He gets in the car and they just drive away. So they say when their headlights came on, the creature wasn't there. They just sped off, leaving like their jack and all the tools behind. All they cared about was getting the tire on and leaving. Good decision. They also did uh, research trying to figure out what they saw and they believe it was a puckwudgie. Now, a woman named Joan, she was walking her dog out in a wooded area. They were in a path. In the forest, this was like a normal walk that her and her dog would do. What kind of dog did it say? Uh, no. Oh, it damn. probably okay. did, and I just didn't write it down. Okay. I always want to know. I'm sorry. I envision a golden retriever for some reason. Uh, cause they're probably because they're so popular. Yeah, probably. I don't know why. But, I can get um, it. Okay, golden retriever. Okay. We're going to say it was a golden retriever. Yeah. Um, so without warning, she says her dog just takes off um, into the forest. They're off the path now. Nope, and, that's a boxer. Yep. Uh, <laughs> she says when they stop, Joan's catching her breath and she looks up and she finds herself face to face with what she described as a small humanoid creature that stood two feet tall, had pale gray skin, short stocky legs, large lips, a canine-like nose, and a human-like face. And they just kind of stared at each other for a moment. And then her dog begins to pull her away from where they were and back to the path and she just lets it happen yeah yes and she tried to forget that experience but it, she, like she just felt like it wouldn't let her because later that same night and for weeks um weeks after um the creature would appear at her bedroom window in the middle of the night to wake her up that followed her home um and this lasted until she actually moved okay number one that dog is underpaid homeless. oh homeless yeah like i need a new dog i need like like me right now i have a dog that's a guard dog and i have a dog i don't know what he does yet but you've got you to have at least one good dog exactly i have a dog if i hate a to if i hate anything i'll give it to him and he'll eat it okay i have a, a dog and a garbage disposal you got to have at least one dog you need to get a new dog like a okay german shepherd or something Remember how I said that they, like, lure people? It's believed that it's possible that the puck wedgie had put, like, a trance on the dog and lured it to them. Get a cat. In the forest. I think they could probably do the same thing with a cat. <gasps> oh, they're gods. <laughs> cats don't even do what cats want to do. I know. <laughs> <laughs> So that you can't blame the dog. It just it is believed it was under like a trance, maybe where it didn't really know that's what it was going yeah. to. At least it got uh, her out of there. Once the the trance was broken or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now there are a lot of sightings of puckwudgies in the forest of Massachusetts, so much so that the police um, of the area thought it would be pretty funny to uh, put up a puckwudgie crossing sign near the uh, Freetown State Park. Now, what I could find on this, they actually did this during what they called the Puck Wedgies mating season. Did they know what the Puck Wedgies mating season was? Absolutely not. They decided that the Puck Wedgies mating season was April 1st, started April 1st and ended April 1st, right? Uh, but it's from what I could find, the sign is still up. Um, 
I want one. Yes. Where uh, I, was, I, I should have put that in the drive Puckwudgie um, crossing sign. Let me pull it up really quick. What was the other one? It was a Puckwudgie and a benign wudgie or something. It wasn't a benign wudgie, but I guess we <laughs> can call it that now. Are you talking about the benevolent Nicomo or the Bugwajanini? That one, Bugwajanini. Bugwajanini. Bug Bugwajanini. Yeah, Bugwajanini. I need a Pukwudgie crossing and a Bugwajanini crossing, like both of those signs. And one's going to go on Jack's door to his room, and the other's going to go on Annie's door to her room. Is she Pukwudgie or is she the Bugwajanini? Which one's worse? Pukwudgie. Because the Bugwajanini is the Pukwudgie that learned its lesson. That's Jack, 100%, because he's like super responsible. And yeah, she's a Pukwudgie. Okay. Um, hold on, I'm gonna put the picture up really quick for you. Oh hell yeah. It is up. Hey, Pukwudgies aren't one of those things where you say their name a lot and they just appear, are they? No, this is not like Beetlejuice. Perfect. Kay. Oh my god, he has a bow and arrow. Yes. Oh, I need one of those. Yes. That is so wonderful. I would put like I would hot glue a bow to it and put it on her bedroom door. <laughs> <laughs> you should do it. Definitely do it. Okay, so, um, again, from what I could find, that's still up. It may not be, but that's just what I could find. Um, now, in modern-day adaptations, uh, Pukwudgies are mentioned. I shouldn't say modern-day. In different write, written adaptations, Pukwudgies are mentioned in The Song of Hiawatha, which is a poem by Henry Wadsworth that was published in 1855. I've got an excerpt from that. And it reads as, uh, nope, doesn't have the word as right there. So it reads, far and wide among the nations, spread the name and fame of Quisind. Quisind is a giant. Uh, no man dared to strive, strive with Quisind. No man could compete with Quisind. But the mischievous Pukwudgies and the envious little people, they, the fairies, and the pygmies plotted and conspired against him. So that's the excerpt that actually refers to the Pukwudgies. Um, there is also a book, which uh, if you do not already have for Annie, I will be getting it for her for her birthday. And it is called The Good Giants and the Bad Puckwudgies by Jean Fritz. And it's it's basically a different variation or adaptation of the legend uh, between Moshop and the Puckwudgies. Oh my god, that sounds precious. Um, You might want to read it before you say that. It's a little bit towards the end a little bit rough so i don't know if you'll actually read it to annie it's really more of a present for you i'm just using annie's birthday as as either one perfectly fine like i don't have many rules uh when it comes to like reading rules like stuff like that that was one thing my mom was like look if you want to read it read it i read the catcher in the raw in like eighth grade and yeah i bought a copy of beowulf so i don't care if it's literature read it okay that's fine now, in the most modern day uh, adaptation, Pukwudgies are part of the Pottermore or the Harry Potter universe. They are a symbol and a name of one of the houses for the Ilvermorny School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, which Ilvermorny is based in the Massachusetts area. Oh. And that's the U.S. version of Hogwarts, which, by the way, when I was doing this reading, I don't think I ever realized it, but uh, Hogwarts is said to be put in Scotland. Did you know that? I do not remember that. What? I don't remember. I know Scotland and um, England are they're connected, like they're on the same mass of land. So, do they go from England to Scotland? Yeah. 
I did not know that. I didn't know that either. So, anyways, I will be damned. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, the Pukwudgie is a symbol. Um, they represent the heart of a wizard, and they favor healers. Um, as a side note to this, uh, while I was doing this research, I of course came across a quiz that put me in my Ilvermorny uh, house, and I quiz. came out. At, I actually have it saved, so I can oh, send it to that. you. And I came out as a Pukwudgie. Oh my god! No, um, it does it by percents. Um, let me hold on. I sent it to Cody so that I didn't forget it. It does it by percents. Yeah, so it, like put it in a percent. Uh, so I was like, this percent the serpent, the horn serpent, and this percent the wampus, and this percent thunderbird. Okay. Yeah. Hold on. Let me send it to you. It's not a very long quiz, but yes, I I did come out as a puckwudgie, ultimately. Extended Ilvermorny sorting. It quiz. wasn't that long. Okay. Well, God, um, how much was the not extended one? I have no idea. I didn't find <laughs> it. But for those of you wondering, there are so there's still four houses in the Ilvermorny um, universe or not universe in the Ilvermorny school. We've covered now two of them, which is the Puckwudgie and the Thunderbird. We still have the Wampus and the Horned Serpent that we have to cover. And so Amanda is taking her quiz right now. I. Yeah. If I remember, I will link the quiz when I'm posting pictures. I don't promise that I will remember, but I'm writing it down for you guys right now. So while you're taking that, do you have any final thoughts about the Pukwudgie? I still love them. Like, they are just pure chaos. And I, I just know. appreciate pure chaos. They are. Oh, and that other picture <laughs> that I said I'm not posting, it's actually, uh, I found this on the Pottermore website. or there, I don't remember what website, but it had something to do with Harry Potter. Um, it has J on it, so I'm assuming this is, or JR on it, so I'm not going to post this anywhere. But if you want to find it, it is on the Pottermore website, and it's basically the symbol of the Pukwudgie that they use for that house. Which it does look, I mean, it looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I still it like does. the first one, I think, the best. because He looks the, so much more troll-like in that one. He really does, yeah. Like, he's even got the horns, and... He has more of a mane than of a porcupine. Yes. What it looks like to me. He's just a caricature. He's like. I love his long hag like sleep paralysis fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's really what the hag is in the sleep demons. (gasps) Wait, I could actually see that because it's it's small. It's a hag like. And it can lure you to do things. That's just heinous. I do not like that. Yeah. (laughs) What would you least like to lose? Health? (laughs) Well, joke's on you. Something you already lost. (laughs) In multiple forms. (laughs) Kind of bingo from hell. That was a good little quiz, okay? So far, I like it because I've taken one for Ilmer, Ilver. Oh my God, Ilvermorny. Morning. Thank you. I've taken one before, and I was just like, "No, this is stupid." Because I like also, this one uh, because it really because Ilvermorny talks about how there is like each part is a different part of the body or of the human. So like one's the soul, not one. One's the soul. One's the heart. One's the mind. I don't remember what the other two are. Um, so it may, I feel like the quiz kind of went more off of emotion than anything else. Yeah. 
the last one I took was actually on the Ilvermorny website. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like it because I took that one and the Hogwarts one, because obviously, mm-hmm. but the Hogwarts one put me as, I think, a, yeah, it put me as Gryffindor when I'm not. I'm a Hufflepuff. So I know. I I'm like, a Hufflepuff mm. hardcore. When it put that, I was like, I automatically don't trust the other one. I also really appreciated this one because one of the questions was like, I challenge and it's like authority. Other pe- I have it up again because I'm taking it really quick to tell you what my scores were. Mm-hmm. It's I challenge authority convention myself mm-hmm. or other people's patience. That was a real quick one. Other people's patience. <laughs> that one was one that made me think twice because like I just naturally challenge authority too. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you just answer them all and then read? It's at the top as you're going through. It actually tells you your percentages. Oh my god, I just accidentally refreshed, but I am I was a horned serpent. Okay. So I am least uh, least horned serpent, most puckwudgy. I was uh, so. horned serpent and my second was puckwudgy. Yeah. So my I'm puckwudgy, then thunderbird, then wampus, then horned serpent. Now I'm going to have to see I'm going to have to look up horned serpent. See what we got going on. Are you going to do the horned serpent? We've got to, we've still got to do Wampus and Horn Serpent to round out our Ilver Morning Houses. I think I'll do the Horn Serpent, yeah, because I can learn about them and me at the same time. Okay, well, while you're doing that, I'll just go ahead and put your name on it. I don't know if it's actually on there. Well, this is wrong. What? Element Mind Traits represents the mind and it favors scholars. Oh, yeah, I saw that. What's funny is I was reading about them and I went, not me, not me, not me. The only one that I could fit in is the Puckwudgie. That's literally the only one I felt like I could fit in. Oh, magical abilities, uh, shape-shifting, invisibility, and hypnotic powers. Okay. Anyways, so any more, anything else you want to mention before we finish up? Um, Tell us what your Ilvermorny Yes. If I remember, I will post it. If I don't remember, please like yell at me, guys, because I can almost I might have written it down in my planner. That doesn't mean <laughs> shit. That means I will read it on the day I wrote that down in my planner and go, oh, I'll do that in 10 minutes and then walk away and never do it. <laughs> so fair warning. Fill that. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you all for listening to Hell on Heels podcast to see pictures from this episode. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Heels Podcast, Twitter at Hell on Heels Pod, or you can search us on Facebook or Linktree by searching Hell on Heels Podcast. Um, if you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you all, you can donate through Patreon, where we're working to release different specials for you there. If you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or words of encouragement, please email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to have your friends listen with you. This has been Hell on Heels podcast. Bye. Bye.